KMTT, Kimitzion Tetzei Torah. You are listening to the Erev Shabbat program, Erev Shabbat Kodesh, Parshat Hazira Matzara, Lamed Nisan, Shabbat Rosh Chodesh Iyar. I'm your host, Jonathan Snowbelt. The Erev Shabbat program is Lilui Nishmat Shlomo Yosef Ben Chaim Shmuel. And the Erev Shabbat program is also dedicated to my daughter Moria's seventh birthday, which is Friday, today, Lamed Nisan. And a good friend of mine, Stephen Perels, who is, who is celebrating his 33rd birthday. Um, Stephen Perel and I were in school together from first grade through university. So happy birthday, Stephen, if you're listening. I'm not going to discuss the Parsha this week. I want to discuss something that I actually discussed on Yom HaShoah uh, in, a di- in a different context. But I think the, the message of, uh, of this Arab Shabbat program is a crucial one. I spoke about this within the context of the Gemara's statement, famous statement from the second parak of Kiddushin, Mitzvah Boyotermi Bishlucho. It is a mitzvah to do something by yourself rather than doing it through a shaliach. The, the Gemara goes into great length in the Mishnah there to introduce the institution of shlichut, doing mitzvah through messengers or emissaries. But the Gemara has a statement that mitzvah bo yoter shlichut is a mitzvah to do it by yourself rather than doing it through a shaliach. Now, this has different applications. There are times where we need to do things through a shaliach. Uh, the example that comes up there in the Gemara is the Korban Pesach. Korban Pesach, by definition, is done in groups, in a chabura. And therefore, in a chabura, only one member of the chabura will be involved in sacrificing the Korban Pesach. Additionally, there is a prohibition of having leftover kochim, leftover holy meat. And therefore, if only one person would partake in each Korban Pesach, there would be too much leftovers. So this is a situation in which we do a mitzvah, we fulfill a mitzvah through shlichut, using a messenger. But it's not, the, the concept of mitzvah boyotam shlichut does not apply there because there is no need for it to be done or desire for it to be done by the person himself, because it can't be. It can't be that everyone is involved in the whole process of the shechita, of the sacrificing of the Korban Pesach. Likewise, the whole world of Kodshim itself, that we do through the Kohanim, is not a world where there is any expectation that it should be done with by the person himself. No, the whole, the whole institution of Kehunav, Priesthood in Judaism is one which has other people doing it for as representatives of the entire Am Yisrael, and that's the way it's supposed to be. However, the Gemara discusses doing, performing the mitzvah of Kiddushin through a messenger, through a shaliach. And here, it's mitzvah boyotem It's preferable that you should do it yourself, also on the level that every mitzvah that you can do on yourself, you should try to do on yourself. 
and also on the level of that it's it's some, there's something wrong with this. The Gemara gives a specific example that could have existed in the olden days that a man might not even seen a woman before he marries her. And if he doesn't see her before he marries her, this is wrong. And therefore he shouldn't do it with a shaliach. But even without going to the extremes of the Gemara, we can certainly understand that it's inappropriate for yourself not to be at your own wedding. You shouldn't do it through a messenger. And there's something wrong with that. If you did it through a messenger, not only is it better to do it by yourself because you'll get more more reward for it, it's a more significant action, but there's something wrong with you not being there. Within this context, I want to look at uh, several prakim in uh, Sefer Yeshayahu. They actually come up in Melachim Bed as well. It's a famous story of when Sancheriv Melech Ashur, the king of Ashur, came marching into the land of Eretz Yehuda, the kingdom of Yehuda in the south of Israel. This was, of course, at the time when for many years already, the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Yehuda were separate. At this point, Ashur has actually already destroyed the northern kingdom and exiled the Jews who lived there. And now Sanchiriv is heading towards Yehuda, and in fact he wreaks much havoc in Yehuda, and he sets his sights on Jerusalem. And he sends a mercenary of his own, by Yishlach Melech Ashur Rav Shekeh, from a neighboring city that Sancheriv is fighting against, and he sends him to Yerushalayim. And Sancheriv gives a very famous speech explaining to the people and to the king that they have no reason for hope, they have no reason for a sense of security, they cannot depend on Egypt, on Mitzrayim, and they can't depend on God because the king of Ashur, Sancheriv, is stronger than everybody else. And he explains how he defeated all these other nations and their gods. And no one will be able to save Jerusalem, Yerushalayim, and Chizkiyahu and the nation from the hands of from the grasp of Melch Ashur. No god has defeated Melch Ashur, and God, our God, Yudkei Vavke, is no different. With these words, the, the messengers of Chizkiyahu come back to Chizkiyahu, and Chizkiyahu is told what Rav Shakei said. Rav Shakei, again, the king of Ashur's representative, and he tears his clothing. And he comes to the Beit HaMikdash, and then he sends his messengers onto Yeshayahu. Yeshayahu, the prophet at the time, and Chizkiyahu says, maybe God will hear the words of Rav Shakeh, the terrible words that were defiling God's name and comparing him to false gods. And he says, And you should pray for the remnant. The remnant because the northern kingdom has been eradicated and exiled, 
And even the kingdom of Yehuda has been largely run over at this point. And Chizkiel, and Yishayel answers Chizkiel, and he says, do not fear from the words of Rav Shakei. I'm going to send out a rumor, and he's going to hear it, and he's going to return to his land, and then, and then he's going to die by the sword in his land. And in fact, the, the, the following pasuk explains that the king of Ashur hears that Tirhaka, the king of Kush, has gone out to fight against him, and, and the king of Ashur goes out to fight Melch Kush, and in fact leaves Jerusalem. But this is a temporary leaving of Jerusalem. And Rav Shakei is aware of this, and he says before he leaves, he says to Chizkiyahu, you should just know there's no reason for you to feel any sense of security. We're coming back for you. We're going to capture Jerusalem as well. And despite the fact that Chizkiyahu made a prophecy that there will be a delay, that he's going to hear a rumor and go back to his country, this is much more of a stay of execution, him going back to his country and fighting uh, Melech Kush, the king of Kush, is not the end of the story. He'll be per- perfectly capable of coming back to Jerusalem at a later time. And Rav Shakeh un- understands this as so. And he warns Chizkiyahu that it's not over yet. And Chizkiyahu doesn't, takes it as so. He also understands this as a state of execution and not a permanent solution. Because at Rav Shakeh's second warning, Rav Shakeh's warning as he leaves the city to fight against the king of Kush, Chizkiyahu responds differently. Because he goes back to the Beit HaMikdash as he did the first time. But this time, instead of turning to Yeshayahu Hanavi, he turns to God directly. And he prays to God. And this time, God's answer through Yeshayahu is also different. It's a long answer, but we will just focus on the last sentences of the answer. Thus says the Lord to Melech Ashur, He will not come to this city, and he will not shoot an arrow, again, and he will not come forward with a, with a shield, and he will not pour rocks, concrete, mortar onto it. In the path that he came, he will go back. And to this city he will not come. And I will protect this city to save it. For my sake and for the sake of David, my servant. This prophecy of Yeshayahu is much more explicit. This is no longer a stay of execution. He's going to hear a rumor and go back to his country. This is a 100% guarantee of the protection of Jerusalem. It's interesting to note 
that people are under the impression that Sancheiriv laid siege to Jerusalem. In fact, he came back, or perhaps he didn't even come back to Jerusalem, it's not clear from the text, But if he came back to Jerusalem, he didn't manage to lay siege. Immediately upon his arrival, there was no, there is no siege on Jerusalem in the time of Sanchariv. Belchiskel prepared for a siege, as we know. But immediately, a Malach Hashem, an angel of Hashem, comes out and kills 185,000 soldiers in Ashur's encampment. And Sanchariv leaves, goes back to his country, and there his sons kill him to fulfill Yeshayahu's first prophecy that he will die in his country by the sword. What we see here is the following. When Chizkiyahu turns to Yeshayahu, the Navi, to pray, the results are okay. There's a stay of execution. Ashur does not immediately turn its attention to Jerusalem. It's distracted by Kush. But that's a temporary solution. But when Chizkiyahu takes matters into his own hands, and here I will use that phrase that we began with, mitzvah boyotermi bishlucho, it's his kingdom, it's his people, True, the Navi is someone who has an intimate relationship with God. True, he is someone who's meant to pray to God, but not without a person praying on their own behalf. Chizkiyahu is the king. It is his kingdom, it is his people, it is his city. He must pray. Mitzvah boyot hermibishlucho. When he puts the responsibility of praying on Yeshayahu, there, there are results. But when he prays on his own, the results are far different. Much more significant, much more long-lasting. The idea of mitzvah bo yotemri bishlucho, when you can do something on your own, and you give it to someone else to do, well, that other person is not as invested in it as you are. And if you do it, you will do it better. And then as Rashi says in the Gemara and Kiddushin, you will get more reward for it. You'll get more reward for it because you did it better. When you're invested in something... When you're invested in something, you do it better because you care about it more. And even Yeshayahu Hanavi doesn't compare to Chizkiyahu. Chizkiyahu is, is the most invested in this. And he needs to pray. The lesson of praying for himself, Chizkiyahu learns again in the next parak in Yeshayahu. By the way, we're looking at Yeshayahu chapters Lamed Vav 36, Lamed Zayin 37, and now Lamed Chet 38. Chizkiyahu is on his deathbed. And Yeshayahu comes to him and says to him, God is telling you, God has told me, 
that you are going to die and you're not going to live. And Chizkiyahu turns his face to the wall and prays to God and begs him to remember all the things that he did in fear of God and he cries. And God sends a new prophecy to Yeshayahu and says to Chizkiyahu that he's that his prayers have been accepted and his tears have been seen and God is going to add 15 more years onto his life and save him from the king of Ashur and protect the city within those years as well. So once again, this idea that when Chizkiyahu prays himself the results are much more powerful because probably the prayers are much more powerful too. When we do actions on our own behalf because they're important to us and we want to do them, we do them much better than when someone else does them for us. We have a babysitter to watch our kids. Well, they don't have so much patience for our kids because they're invested in our kids. It's a one-time relationship. They'll put the kids to sleep how they want. Maybe they will give them a movie because even though it's their bedtime, why should they fight with these kids? A parent on their own is invested in the children. There's a long-term relationship there. If it's time for the kids to go to bed because they have to wake them up in the morning, they have far more invested in this. And so the way they're going to take care of the kids is different. If I'm preparing food for my guests for Shabbat, or my wife, so I have something invested here, and as opposed to buying the schnitzels from the ready-made counter, well, they have something invested because they have a business here, but they're making tons of food. They don't know how special these particular guests are, and they're going to make the regular schnitzel they make every week. And the Gemara says, mitzvah boyotarim bishlucho, preparing food for Shabbat as well. How does this all translate to, rele- to being relevant <coughs> today on this week before between Yom HaShoah and Remembrance Day for Israeli soldiers and Yom HaTzmaut? The lesson that Yom HaShoah, one of the lessons that Yom HaShoah and the, and the Holocaust teach us in general, and that the lesson was learned through the State of Israel, is that we have to take care of ourselves. We have to know how to take care of ourselves and in the situation where we're able to take care of ourselves, we don't. We should not depend on other nations to take care of ourselves for us. The other nations are not invested in us as much as we are for ourselves. And they can be the best of friends, but we should not expect that any other nation should put themselves out on the line for us. We need to pray for ourselves, and we need to act for ourselves. We shouldn't expect that anyone else will be doing this for us. Not in mitzvot, not in our everyday life, and not in our national life. And though this is a longer Arab Shabbat program than, than usual, I want to add one more thing, which is not on a national level. There is a phenomenon today that people 
it's a phenomenon that's not necessarily new, but has become more popular. People putting their faith in other people to pray for them. I won't speak of the merits or the lack of merit of this practice per se, but I just want to make the following comment. Somebody thinks that they won't pray for themselves and they'll leave the praying up to somebody else, someone who knows them less intimately, who maybe even doesn't know them at all, and they expect to see Yeshuot v'nechamot, they expect to see salvation from such a prayer. Yeshayal and Avi was invested in the prayer that he prayed that, ga- that gave not the greatest results and only a stay of execution. When Chisiel prayed for himself, that's when the big results came. How much more so when the person who is praying is not Yeshayahu Hanavi? He's not as invested because he doesn't know you. And he doesn't know your situation as well. And how much more so if the person doesn't decide to pray for themselves and take matters into their own hands? So perhaps... There is merit for great tzaddikim praying for other people, if they are indeed great tzaddikim. And, hopefully they know their situation on some level. But it cannot be in lieu, and it cannot be instead of a person praying for themselves. Because a person who prays for themselves prays more powerfully, because they know their situation more than anybody else. Whether it's unemployment, or illness, or depression, or any other problem as well as some other outside person will know you, they cannot pray with the same dedication, devotion, than the person who is in the trouble themselves. And that person needs to cry out to God by themselves. And whatever other situation, whether we're talking about a situation that demands prayer, or any other situation which demands intervention, if we need intervention on our own, There's nothing wrong with turning to other people who might be able to help us, but we need to try to help ourselves. As my mother always taught me, God helps those who help themselves. That doesn't mean that other people aren't necessary to help us, but it certainly means that we can't be sitting by idly and expecting other people to do the work for us. And just one other mitzvah that this connects to, of course, is the mitzvah of Hakem Takim Imo. If we see our friend who's stuck at the side of the road and he needs trouble fixing his tire, or in the, in the biblical sense, his donkey's uh, has fallen down and uh, whatever packages were on the donkey has fallen down, so we're commanded to help him get the donkey back up on its feet, get the packages back up on the donkey. But the Torah stresses imo, the person has to help themselves, and then we can help them out. If they don't help themselves, we don't need to help them either. And this is an important message for us in our everyday life as individuals and in our lives as, and as a nation as well. Shabbat Shalom.